welcome back to Desi Kanya's podcast. Uh, Ramya and I are together here bringing you another episode on women and motherhood and especially focusing on birthing experiences, labor and breastfeeding. So guys today we have our guest Nisha. Hi Nisha. Hello everyone. Hi. Uh so Nisha is my sister-in-law. I was heavily pregnant with Ahana so I couldn't go to her marriage. But then when I met Nisha, she was exactly what I had um imagined her to be. I have two words for her actually, bold and beautiful. That's what Nisha is and um that's how I consider her. So welcome Nisha. I'm very very thrilled to have you here. Thank you Nitya that that is very flattering what you've just said. <laughs> Nisha is an ex-admin of the Indian Breastfeeding Support Group on Facebook and she has extended her support in every way in a very uplifting manner to everyone who needed uh guidance on breastfeeding so I could not have thought of anybody else to come and talk about delivery labor uh and breastfeeding other than Nisha So before we delve into the breastfeeding topic Nisha I want to educate the listeners on different kinds of birthing options that are available for couples because for me we tried like lamas it never worked there was like um hypnobirthing where you would listen to slow music and try to talk to the baby and like go into that hypno hypnosis and then just go off to sleep and basically relaxes you can you share your experiences of birthing options that you had i i was pretty unaware about the entire process actually to begin with i just thought that this was something that will happen on its own um i do remember going for a couple of these classes before having um my son Arjun who is now 5 years old um mm-hmm. Vivek and I were attending um a birthing class we came across uh, different types of birthing and these and how these women were very switched on and their partners were very switched on about how they were all planning to have these water births or you know birthing at home and having these candles and incense during delivery and for me I didn't have that kind of an opinion on how my birthing should be as far as I was aware that I needed it to be completely completely uh, uh, minimal pain mm-hmm. and uh, I didn't really venture too far in thinking how it would be I I, I didn't have any notion so I basically was a very clean slate about what the expectations are uh, from a labor and a delivery will be and i'm actually very happy that i did that because um, my birthing turned out to be very different from what i had i literally gone 41 weeks and a day before i gave birth so the last week was yeah. pretty painful stressful and painful and yeah. i was basically over it so hi anisha uh, now that we are on that topic about your experience labor and birthing experience differ from country to country now would you share with us briefly your labor experience i know that you said you went with a clean slate you know you didn't have any expectations and things like that but how was your experience eventually what did not go well and how it could have been that so um like uh, most people would know a pregnancy is usually uh for 40 weeks i passed 40 weeks and i went well into my 41st week and uh, my baby hadn't come yet so um the one morning i woke up i was just going around my usual routine and then i thought that my baby wasn't moving uh as much as i would have liked but of course at that by then you kind of know that the baby is big enough and there's not much room for it room to move around in your uh, right. uh, womb 
So, uh, but that did bother me. I waited for like two, three hours before telling my husband, Vivek, um, that I think this is something we should get checked out because uh, we are in our 41st week. And uh, although it, it is normal for the, you know, for you to stop feeling the baby move around that much, I just wanted to be checked out just for my peace of uh, mind. So uh, both uh, my parents and uh, Vivek's parents were with us in Melbourne and mm-hmm. we didn't tell both of them and uh, both the sets. And then we just went off to the hospital we got a scan done and uh, the uh, do- um, doctor over there said that everything looks okay. Uh, but because you are in your 41st week, we can now offer you an induction. And uh, it's completely safe for you and your baby uh, to be induced for uh, labor. And seeing that you are not anywhere, you know, you, your body is not going to um, probably start a labor very soon. And mm-hmm. we will be in our 42nd week by uh, by the time it happens. You might as well opt for it if you wanted it. So Vivek and I had a chat about it and we thought, you know, this the, the the stress of those three four hours was bad enough for us to know what was happening with our baby because we don't know much and our first baby and we had no um, we had no clue about how it was going to turn out so uh, we thought we will opt for induction now this is something as you know we we live in a country that is able to offer this and everything and it's it's a it's a medical intervention at the end of the day and we are quite thankful that medical interventions like this exist uh, as compared to many other countries right. so uh, we opted for the induction and uh, i was not very pleased at, about it because it was very prolonged so on on a saturday sunday afternoon i was admitted for induction and i was administered the drugs to induce and i only delivered tuesday early morning So uh, I spent most of my Sunday afternoon and uh, my entire Monday for the labor to even start. And it was mid-afternoon and it was uh, it was just I wasn't feeling the pains that you're supposed to feel, apparently, because they could see the CTG. It was just not, you know, going there. And this was going to open more avenues for medical intervention which was uh, the other step was cesarean. And now that I did not want to have that, if there was an option given to me if they said you can offer a cesarean i would i would say no but induction is the first step to getting further medical intervention which could also mean a forceps delivery or an assisted delivery a vacuum suction delivery and those are you know risky in their own vaginal delivery was something i was aiming for and then you know of course you climb the ladder of the medical intervention which the top of the ladder is an emergency c-section yeah that is a different ball game altogether where you know the partners are not allowed in the uh, OT and you know you just don't yeah. know what's happening yeah. people are blaring codes after codes saying distress or something and it, it can make you anxious and one minute you're awake the other minute you won't be and you know when you wake up you don't have the baby on you in you and you don't know what's happening so I've, I was I really wanted to be very far away from all that having said that induction took its while I did have a labor and uh, became intense uh, towards the evening on Monday and uh, at nine o'clock I couldn't take it more and I told Vivek I'll, I have to take pain relief and that's when I broke and I said I, I'm going to do it. I, I, up until this time I hadn't taken any pain relief so I opted for an epidural mm-hmm. and which was a blessing because I could get some rest finally right. and yeah. I gave birth around 1.40 in the morning so that wasn't um, the, the actual active labor was fairly well managed 
finish because I took two rounds of epidural. So, um, and by the end of uh, my labor, I, I was, I was like, yes, I'm ready. I'm ready. And my uh, medical team was very, very helpful. They didn't tell me when to push. They told me that you should push when you feel like it. And quite honestly, it's a very graphic way of describing, but that is the biggest, the, the feeling of uh, pushing for a delivery is, is thinking that you're doing your biggest tool movement. Yeah. And you're opening your bowels for the biggest one ever. So uh, it is something unparalleled. You can't think of it unless you actually birth a baby. And I appreciate <laughs> some listeners may have had their babies and had them by cesarean and have their own deal. But that is the biggest poo you would ever make. It was like push with all your might. <laughs> Uh, it's it's yeah it's it's a life changing experience and uh, uh, I wanted to share my experiences because uh, when you said you had to get induced it was a similar story with me because for me I was thirty seven weeks I didn't even uh, yeah almost I was almost full term like luckily that day I was full term and um, what happened was I kept asking my mom mom how does contractions feel like right and our moms being moms are तो मैं पता चल जाएगा you know you get to know there is a different feeling i'm like i know the pain i know it's a different pain but what sort of pain what should i be expecting right and they're not very articulate with their uh, with their words and uh, yeah and uh, and i was like oh man and i was tensed right and i i still remember i was maintaining a pregnancy journal and i still have that site up somewhere and from 35th week i had started getting this anxiety where like oh god how am i going to push this baby out what does contraction feel like you know every visit i used to pester my gynec how would the pain feel like what happened was my water broke which i had i was not expecting at all and i had not read about it so i was unprepared and um, uh, by the way listeners um, nisha's husband's name and my husband's name they are the same vivek so don't be alarmed when i say vivek um, so i told my husband uh, that uh, you know I'm leaking. I I don't know why I'm leaking. I think I'm peeing and he was like no 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 you can't pee. That can't be true. And then I went oh, and I saw Oh but it happens. It happens yeah, that incontinence happens very regularly. Exactly. And he was like no your water must have broken. You see they just go and check. And clearly yeah I was uh, my water was leaking and um, I was bleeding and I called the hospital and they are like what are your pain levels I said I'm not, I don't even know what contractions feel like I don't know how to tell you on the phone what I'm feeling because all I can see is water and blood and um, she was like okay I want you to wait for 5 hours and there you go first baby and and i am like you know already so tensed and they are like come after 5 hours and when your contractions begin and i there you go and i started pestering vivek and i started pestering my mom 5 hours passed and um, we go into the hospital and then they see me and they are like dude you are not even dilated you are only like 3 cm i'm like i don't feel any pain there is no contractions right only this water is gushing out and um, she said that okay we have to induce you and me being mean i had read up so much i wanted to have as natural a birth as possible and um, i said no to induction and i created a fit in the hospital saying that i will not 
get induced i will not let you guys touch me with artificial induction and all that and then after a few hours i think it was like another four or four and a half hours um the doctor came in and she was like you cannot do this to your own pp like you know your water is leaking she is um you she'll get infected so you have to get induced so that the contractions can start you know i know this is not what you had expected but this is what is happening so you have to go with the flow i let her induce me contractions because they were not natural so when you induce the contraction the intensity becomes more right so it was like very heavy contractions then and then later on they were like you're not dilating and it's now it's like 10:30 at night and um, she comes and you she she say you're still 3.5 what what do you want me to do and uh, i said i don't know i am like in severe pain now i can't even talk right it was that and then vivek comes in they spoke to vivek and vivek was like you have to take epidural and i again like you know started crying and i said no i want to do this the natural way let it be like you know that let it be a 48 hour labor i don't mind i can do this and then he was like no you're subjecting the baby to infection so let's not do let, let's not even go there and then uh, obviously I, i had to take epidural and after like epidural i think it took about 2 to 1 and a half hours i said i have to poo like you said nisha like i was like i have to get this out right i told my mom i think the baby is coming i think you have to call the nurse and um, she went and called and the nurse was like oh my god the head is already out and then then like you know they they came they took the baby out and they literally put put her on me so that was how my baby was delivered but yeah as you said it's people think that it's a very um, straightforward process but it's not like that and some people don't even hit full terms there are premature babies and you know there are people who don't deliver after 40 weeks also like you said so it's pretty different that's why i wanted to bring that up um, but right of the baby is delivered nisha it is you know they say it's very important that the baby latches onto your breasts and that skin to skin touch is very very important for that bond to form between the newborn and the mother uh, can you explain to our listeners why is that so people so that people who are pregnant can you know associate themselves i frankly hadn't given a thought about breastfeeding i mean i i was told Same that way. breastfeeding happens and it just happens and like you said um mothers um, are usually very tight-lipped about the process and they have opinions but they don't have suggestions and they they don't have practical advice most of the times and they don't mean well in all circumstances for example they never told you that uh, how labor would feel like they just say pain like you said yeah exactly. i've if if i had to explain labor pain to somebody i would say if you have had a period just multiplied by right. say a million that is your right. cramp right. that cramp level is that's how it's going to be like and again breastfeeding it's supposed to happen is what you you've been told and in fact i i come from a family who have failed to breastfeed uh you know beyond a month or so or you know have have done so but have, have not chosen to share that knowledge and information my grandmother my mom's mother uh, used to tell me when i was pregnant to start pulling my nipples out and i didn't know what it what she meant and i was frankly very very you know i had this squeezy feeling about doing that i was like yeah yeah, yeah I'll, i'll 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 you know i'll you know don't worry about it and i actually thought formula feeding was the norm who who wants to put a baby on their breast and and breastfeeding was you know something that's available to you on a shelf but formula feeding yeah. is the norm so um mm-hmm. vivek my husband has been formula fed as well and i've been formula fed and uh but this is this is something no one talks to you about i had the skin to skin um this uh, when i delivered the nurse or the midwife I, i don't quite remember i think it was the midwife oh she just took the baby out and swooped it back onto my chest and i 
was just overwhelmed with these emotions and uh fortunately uh, around a couple of weeks before i gave birth i had read up that i was also going to deliver a placenta why don't mothers your own mothers tell you that this was going to happen <laughs> and uh, so that's called like the third stage or something you know i did going. not know about this you know until now for somebody who has uh, not delivered a baby all this information is so overwhelming so i just Mind want to tell way. my our listeners that uh, if you have not had a child don't be so scared <laughs> so it's a natural process trust me if you push the baby out placenta is one the least of your worries i mean exactly. it just comes exactly. out you wouldn't even know it slips out literally it's like jelly it would just slip out you would feel a bit twingy but really you've just delivered a human you know you're not going to feel the twinge and uh, this this um, uh, midwife or the doctor was sewing me up because i had a tear or two um, Uh, that i tore naturally instead of doing uh, an episiotomy so um, i i tore naturally and he was sewing me and i was just busy looking at my finger uh, like baby's fingers and toes counting everything was fine and uh, i just check you know verified the gender for my own satisfaction i was just you know so involved in doing that and in no time at all the midwife said all right then time to take out your breast i was like for what i mean my my modesty is already gone out of the window but you're asking me to take off my take my breast out at least she asked you nicely right my nurse no she said well time to take it out she latched onto my boobs and i was like oh my goodness i did not imagine someone else will be touching my boobs in such a way she was pressing I, my nipples and giving it to the baby i'm like what are you doing she she told me she gave me a warning fair enough she gave me a warning but it was just like okay time to take out your breast i was like for what she's like well baby's had quite a journey he needs to be fed i was like yeah. sorry <laughs> fed what <laughs> she said breast milk come on i'll help you and then she uh, lowered my uh, i was in wearing a hospital gown i was wearing a really big night shirt of uh, that i had chosen on my own and she just rolled it up and she took out my left breast i still remember it was my left breast my first breast feed was out of my left breast i don't know why i remember maybe it's literally close to my heart but um i she just uh, scooped it and then she put uh, put the baby in and arjun was like i i still not thought of him as arjun i just said mm-hmm. bachcha bachcha and baby baby all the time <laughs> and uh, vivek was uh, because he was all covered in uh, the uh, am- amniotic fluid and he was you know very uh, for a lack of a better term very creamy looking <laughs> uh, vivek was like um, how long will he be because i want to hold him and will they clean him up before they give it to me i said <laughs> you know man my breast is out <laughs> and vivek had just you know he uh, fawned over the baby said oh wow the baby this that and the other and i was he, the, the midwife was like busy massaging my breast yeah beautiful baby isn't she he is beautiful baby beautiful and she was massaging my breast and then, then i saw this thing come out of my nipples and i was like oh, gosh that's creepy <laughs> <laughs> I f- I felt that I was like oh my god <laughs> because you you press up until then your breast had some other function it was something that you had on on your body it was yeah. something that you know you enjoyed as you know as part of a uh, you know sexual 
activity or you know it was something that you were when you were younger very very mortally ashamed of so your breasts have passed through a lot of stages in your own life to reach up to a point where it's actually doing what it is supposed to be doing it's a mammary gland at the end of the day and it is supposed to feed baby everything else is just uh, is is a pickle on the secondary yes. everything else is just secondary so it the only reason breasts are available and they are un- unlike men's nipples which are completely useless women have a function when arjun latched on it was so surreal firstly it was, this was someone who had no teeth as well so it was just felt gummy and this, this this little tiny thing who i was just trying to get to know it was this on your breast it was just a lot to make sense of and he started to suck and initially it was it felt strange but then from strange it very quickly became to painful and then from painful it was just unbearable and then it was more like i don't want to sleep I've, i'm i'm very tired i want to sleep i want to sleep and vivek was also getting a bit antsy that when he was going to hold the baby vivek actually held him only after the first feet so uh the midwife uh you know encouraged me constantly encouraged me that this is literally she told me this is what breasts are for this is what breasts are made for and whatever you know up until now needs to go out of the window because this is the best thing that you could give to your baby especially the colstrum which is the first 24 to 36 hours or 48 hours that the breast make and it, it doesn't have the same appearance as milk but yeah. it is yeah. it, it's like a uh, a coat to your baby's brand new gut before yeah. it accepts the breast milk and it is so important it to people who do not know what colstrum look, looks like it's probably uh something gooey looking it's from it can differ from women a woman to woman it can be uh light golden to dark brown it can differ but um, it is quite thick and um uh, it has a consistency of uh probably very thick egg whites and uh you you can extract it in a in a syringe and feed your baby if you're unable to uh put the baby on the breast right away and a lot of women actually do that uh, before the baby is actually born around 3 weeks before they, some women start to leak and it it yeah. it can be colstrum it can be a little bit of breast milk but when the baby is born the hours on your baby is literally the hours on your body as well so if when you say your two months uh, your baby is two months your baby you, your body is two months postpartum so uh, yeah. the age of the liquid from your breast would be it be colstrum or the breast milk is tailored to fit the baby's age because your body recognizes the age of the baby because the body is as, as old as it is as a mother as the baby is as old as a human listening to both of you i mean i'm sure this is something totally different and only a mother can experience but there are certain things like breastfeeding in public now being a woman itself there are many who think it is inappropriate to feed your baby in public you know there is always a moment of pause when you you know cap when you see some a woman feeding a child in public uh, even though you know it's okay but you are like little taken aback i mean it has happened to me in fact when nitya had come and she was breastfeeding a child for a second i was like you know okay what's happening and then i reminded myself like this is a normal thing and you should not be shocked so isn't it uh, regressive for one to think like this in this time and day share with us uh, your personal experiences if you had any kind of uh, these sort of experience where somebody has stared at you or said something about feeding in public 
Um, I, I, I was very lucky that no one stared at me or made any comments. But um, growing up in India, I never saw anyone breastfeed. I never heard anyone talking about breastfeeding. Right. It was something that was very alien. But when I started breastfeeding, it is it is like jumping off a cliff. Until and unless you do it, you wouldn't know what it is about and why you're doing it. These, these are things that you don't need to know unless you're actually going to go through it. And some people think like that. However, you are going to probably support someone who is going to do it you you like yourself you saw Nitya as a friend breastfeed and although you hadn't done it up to that point you were probably just thinking that this is something that happens behind closed doors people equate right, breastfeeding like you said uh, in India I saw I mean we met in India so uh, in India it is not a usual thing to see definitely uh, so it's not a usual yeah. thing to see my my thoughts on this are contrary because when you go to the rural areas village women just feed without even a cover and nobody notices it in India that's true it's it's the urban population who have objectified breasts uh, as sexual object or uh, it is perfectly okay to have a um, uh, a, a woman in a you know in a very um in, in lingerie advertising for stuff and it was okay right. for them to stare at breasts uh, covered and you know look at it and not think about it at all but as soon as they see a woman feeding a child they're like oh gross do it behind uh, yeah. a door or you know go to the toilet and do it i mean would you eat a sandwich in a toilet why would <laughs> my baby eat its meal in a toilet so i never i never shied from breastfeeding i used a cover probably because um i had this problem of feeding directly i used a nipple shield i breast I breastfed for three years years and so and I had to use something called a nipple shield because um, Arjun had very uh, has had a bad latch and we kind of stuck to it because he couldn't we couldn't correct his latch so it was either that uh, it was breastfeeding with a nipple shield or no breastfeeding at all and my my worry about it was that for me to you know put the nipple shield on and make sure the latch was on it was it was going to take more than a moment to just latch on the baby so I used to use a cover but when Arjun became bigger he started to grab the car and started to pull it off and after a while it just didn't matter i mean your the breast is anyway covered by the baby's head unless you have the other breast out in the open it it mm-hmm. it's not really a big deal and i've had a couple of women actually come up to and tell me you know that i was doing a very good thing but i was very rarely in india at the time when uh, arjun needed to be fed you know at regular levels he mm-hmm. we came to india after uh, arjun was only around three three months old so it was a very short period of time that I was required to breastfeed in public in India. Right. So I can't right. say much about India. I mean, I do know about women's experiences where they have said that uh, people just are not happy that you breastfeed in public and they, they uh, tell you to, uh, uh, you know, do it in a toilet or go to a changing room in a, in a shopping center or uh, just just do it privately. It's a private thing. It's that, that some, some even say it, it's similar to, you know, uh, uh, peeing would you pee in public gosh that is like the most insane analogy yeah. i've ever heard it's just not the same it's not peeing and there are men who don't pee in public period so <laughs> sorry who pee in public so you can't really uh equate it equate feeding a human to peeing in public here like you know there have been incidences where women itself like you know in parks and all they've we've seen articles coming up people have shunned the other women for oh you're breastfeeding in public haven't said that 
my family especially vivek has been like so supportive when it came to breastfeeding in public although i never fed without a cover i think i have fed ahana even under eiffel tower i think like there has been no single place and i have broken all sorts of rules simply because i cannot take her crying and i would just latch her on and put my cover on i just don't care even the extended family is sitting in the car and all of them have been very supportive it's your baby you have to feed it so i think partners and families that support from them makes it very normal even for the public to not come and you know tell you that you're not supposed to feed here and there i think both my kids i have fed them anywhere and everywhere i want to add to ramya's question here uh, nisha that you know with all these extended families and whatever goes on some some women i agree medically they can't feed they are incapable of feeding and i totally get that but there are reasons why hospital staff to promote what you call for formula they will they will say that you know okay you know you your baby is not getting enough milk you need to supplement right some people have like inverted nipples and they they are like okay i'm going to give up i can't keep this up to breastfeed or not to some women are not sure itself because as you said earlier on when i was pregnant with both of them i was grossed out with the thought of even feeding the kid but when you start feeding that's when you know the bond that you're forming with your kid all the one on one time the cooing and smiling and all that goes around when you're breastfeeding that is what makes motherhood very very special right so don't you think that these are such fad ideas that society is trying to infiltrate a mother's mind with yes um basically the rise of consumerism um is is responsible for this in the 60s there were women who started to go back to the workforce and uh, or they started to join the workforce and they they still had their babies and now there were no pumps around and you know not many would just keep up the hand expressing of milk which was uh, the other alternative to directly breastfeeding and so this formula was developed to actually ensure that the babies were fed while the mother was away that formula quickly became our norm formula was always there it's always there for people who can afford it now there are obviously these hidden costs of formula that people think that it's a tin which costs uh, say an x amount of dollars and they don't really care too much about it because they can afford it they have access to clean water they have access access to feeding bottles and all these you know these uh different kinds of formula they can shop around for different kind of formula depending on what they like or what their baby responds to and the biggest usp of formula is baby's going to sleep and when they say that most parents who are already exhausted who are tired who are who have been through a painful birth and you know are just have many reasons it appeals to them the very most uh, a mother's body is actually economically speaking based on supply and demand the ones that demand for breast milk decreases the supply also decreases and so if the demand decreases that means the baby is being fed something else other than your breast milk so your body stops making the breast milk and then that's when women are bewitched into thinking that your body is not making enough milk alternatively they may be they may be tricked into thinking the body is not making enough milk because the baby is crying the baby up to 6 months of age at least has many reasons to cry and hunger is just one of them and the baby has no other means of communicating with you other than to cry the only time it actually laughs is when it's passing gas it's my opinion it could be because it has an itch on its toe or you know it could be that it has a uh, you know a, yeah. a bum yeah. rash it could be because he's feeling a bit too hot or a bit too cold i mean there are many reasons and breastfeeding almost fixes i will say 90% of the thing even if the baby wants to be held 
breastfeed the baby. I mean, offer the breast at least at the very instance. That's easy. And so you, there are so many reasons why mothers think that they are not making the enough milk and then people around them are all the more willing to tell them that. They are very willing to tell them that, yes, you're not making enough milk. Or it's just the idea of having a good night's sleep and giving the dad to do it. You know, go make the formula. Think about it. Getting up in the middle of the night to go to the kitchen, to boil some water, to make the formula. And the formula tin needs to be finished within a week. Unless you're actually exclusively formula feeding, that tin goes waste. Because you're, it's made in the factory, it very, would very clearly say how many days it should be left open for. And if it's unconsumed, you need to throw it. The wastage is unbelievable for people who do part formula feeding and part breastfeeding the wastage of formula the money that you spend is unbelievable i'm not going to tell you the ingredients in formula it is so something that you would not have in a, as an adult why should you be giving it to your baby when you can breastfeed there may, women i agree can't breastfeed and formula is not a demon but it just needs to be used in the right place at the right time in the right environment it's a choice of the mother also i want to put it out there if they are not willing to breastfeed they don't have to but again there is uh, the whole point is like don't get bogged down by others telling you that um the baby needs more the baby needs more our body exactly produces as much milk as the baby needs yes uh, but women need to know that that the reason for you to offer formula is shouldn't be that you're not making enough milk. If you have a problem, if you have got that idea that you're not making enough milk, you probably need to seek, uh, speak to uh, uh, professionals who have expertise in this. There are lactational counselors who, who would be very, very happy to assist you. Not doctors, not midwives, not nurses, but lactational counselors. Yeah, I want to bring this up because this personally has happened to me. Um, so the so after 20, 48 hours in the hospital, right, all the colostrum feeding and uh, the first two days of feeding with the nurse's help and everything, I get home and um, my breasts are completely f- full with milk, right? And this girl Rock refuses hard. to drink. Rock hard. And it's paining. Like I am shouting like on top of my voice that um, and this one refuses to drink, like she doesn't want to drink and this is third day we are discharged from the hospital and two hours after we get home this girl decides that she doesn't want to drink i am like struggling crying and vivek and my mom they have no idea they both of them they start massaging my breast and they start collecting the milk in the cup right it was my bad that i didn't do much research in terms of breastfeeding and um, i did not buy the pump beforehand um, i should have done that actually vivek immediately goes and gets the pump for me and then we we ex- extract everything out that also happens and that completely dejected me right you know i uh, coming back from the hospital i had made up my mind that breastfeeding i have to breastfeed her i want to breastfeed her i, I spoke to vivek and uh, my mom and i said i don't want to give it up like this i want to try and um, they both were like why don't you just give it like let her drink from the bottle for this hour take some rest cool down and then like you know maybe she will start drinking again maybe it's just like the environment is a little different so yeah that that happens actually but you should not give up it the third day is the day that the babies start to realize uh, what's going on in the world and they they don't settle that well and the third day is actually how the body also switches from making colstrum to milk and your milk suddenly comes in that's called the feeling of suddenly coming in and your breasts are clogged up 
because there's so much milk and it needs to be let out but the trick is to take it out but take it out only enough to relieve the engorgement rather than trying to reach a certain goal in getting the milk out and it should as far as possible the milk that you've taken out is to alleviate your own comfort not to feed the baby the baby as far as possible it's best for the baby to feed directly from the breast the other reason why women are um, women want to know how much they have made is thinking that if they have a certain mills in a bottle that there's a target that they need to achieve they want to do that and if they fail to meet the target they feel that it's not adequate what they're doing is not adequate and mm-hmm. the the pump is never going to be as effective as a baby the baby drinks as much as it wants and stops after that you can't overfeed a breastfed baby baby knows how when to stop and they'll stop you move the baby to the other side or on the other breast offer the breast the baby may or may not take it the baby takes it it's not um, uh, finished yet so you allow the baby to be fed and the engorgement is something that you would deal with at different stages of the baby's life which again is your postpartum age as well and the baby can will move from doing 12 feeds a day which is literally every 2 hours feeds a day to say 10 feeds a day it will start dropping its feed because it will start prolonging its uh its need to have the feed and sometimes baby just suddenly pick up you know one hour feed it depends on the baby's development but your body recognizes it and responds to it almost instantaneously but yeah. to actually trap of not feeding because you're replacing it then it becomes a bit difficult bit demotivating for the women to get back to exclusively breastfeeding yep uh working mothers yes please invest in a good uh, breast pump because uh, once you pump it work come back it is very important that you give the baby your breast like nisha said the baby needs to drink from the breast directly that is very very important making the breasts available to the baby is the best thing and yes. just leave it to the baby baby will know what to do you will yeah. need to work on the latch but the baby will know how much to drink and um, yeah it's it's something that it it will become natural it's not an unnatural thing to do it will become natural and then one day you'll find yourself 6 months and then one year and then one and a half years and then three years and even seven years which is very normal uh, you know as far as humans are concerned They're, it's very normal it's just not accepted at in this day and age but it's very normal there are many um, areas that people can get uh, help from there's a lot of support groups on uh, facebook there's a lot of uh, literature to be read on the internet when you're feeding your baby please please just go through many uh, breastfeeding uh, resources available on the internet specifically i would really recommend kelly mom um i think it's an american uh, website uh, but it it's it's very good it has the best advice about how to troubleshoot your breastfeeding problems because they're just problems uh, at the end of the day and they're fixed by offering breastfeeding solutions not replacing them i feel kelly mom is the best thing that might have happened to my motherhood hands yeah. down it's the best resource available there is a very good breastfeeding group um on facebook uh and it specifically is for the indian population but a lot of um, foreigners and uh, non indians are also a part of it it's called breastfeeding support for indian mothers and it is a great great resource it's it's it has abundant resources available and also a list of many um, breastfeeding friendly health practitioners who support breastfeeding and don't offer you know 
alternatives to breastfeeding, but actually encourage you to keep breastfeeding. So it's a, it's a great resource to have. And people who are uh, expecting uh, babies, whether they're first, second, third, or the fifth, should uh, be a part of it. There's so much to learn from it. Yeah. Thank you, Nisha, for sharing all that. It was um, really, really nice of you to come and talk to us about breastfeeding and educate our listeners. Pleasure is all mine. Thank you. You have definitely, uh, you know, um, spoken about a lot of things which I had never heard of. So I am pretty sure a lot of listeners are going to benefit from this episode and um, be more prepared for motherhood and the daily. Actually, support support women at this time because it's something that they are doing, which which is which is a great deal for a lot of women and you just support them instead of putting them down or offering them any alternatives. Very true. So I hope the expectant mothers who are listening to our podcast or already mothers who are in their breastfeeding journey or want to go on their breastfeeding journey, please take all these resources that Nisha spoke about. Mainly do not give up have faith and trust yourself as a mother and whatever you choose for your baby is always going to be the best decision. So, dhanyawad to all our wonderful listeners. Keep listening to Desi Kanya's podcast. Remember to subscribe on all major podcast platforms. We will be back again with part 2 of motherhood where we will be discussing postpartum health. So, join us for our not so great conversation very soon. Bye. Thank you.